Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, May 16th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news and answer a question in the mailbag. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Writers, Huay Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, so we have a bunch of horror news to talk about today. Let's start out with that, uh, the first of which was kind of surprise not kind of surprising it was very surprising and that is that they are rebooting saw that that part is not that uh surprising it's the fact that it's coming from comedian chris rock chris what is going on here yeah so chris rock is apparently a really big fan of the saw franchise which i don't think any of us knew and he came up with a story he's producing and he's going to star in a saw they're calling it a reimagining which is just another way of saying reboot really so uh, get ready for a whole new saw movie um darren lynn boosman who directed saw two three and four is coming back to direct it and we don't really know what the plot's going to be but we do know based on the comments from the producers and chris rock that even though chris rock is involved it's not going to be a comedy they're selling it as you know a, a, a dark and gritty and chilling and twisted new movie so i mean i'm sure it'll have some sort of humor in it kind of kind of like how danny mcbride wrote the new halloween movie and that had jokes in it but it was also very much a horror movie i'm guessing it's going to be kind of like that where it'll have a sense of humor but it's trying to be a straight up horror film so uh i don't know what to make of this but there you have it <laughs> I know uh, Jacob on the past uh, editions of this podcast has talked about his love for the Saw franchise. Where do you fall in on, on Saw? Uh, I am not a big fan. I think the first movie is good in its in its you know own way. Um, after a while, it kind of got very repetitive. I do appreciate how hard those movies tried to keep their mythology going they they bend over backwards to keep the mythology alive and they're constantly like redoing stuff to make it be like all right this is how this happened and this is how this person got here so i i sort of appreciate that because a lot of horror franchises 
they sort of just give up on the mythology and just you know try and make a sequel so on that front i appreciate it but i i am not really a fan of them and i, I kind of got sick of them after a while and i was happy that they were done but i guess i should have known they'd come back sooner or later i mean the concept is so prime for now especially with all the escape rooms i know there is that escape room movie but uh th- these movies to me like felt almost like the first movie franchise that was all- felt like it was inspired by tv in the like the serialized nature of television like i almost feel like these movies play better if you watch them in a row and not you know a year apart or whatever um because there's so, so much that you need to remember of you know who and what and the different situations uh hd have you ever watched the saw movies i haven't yeah not any of the soft films they they were before i decided to get into horror and i just never really got around to uh picking them up well i think both chris and i would recommend the first film that was actually a good movie it was an independent film it played at sundance in 2004 which is where i saw it um and then uh who was it lionsgate chris I think. Ah, uh, yes, Lion Gate. So Lion's Gate owns it. Yeah. Yeah, they they kind of took the reins, and uh, you know, I guess that that kind of was it. Saw or the, the the hostel that kind of coined torture porn. I mean, they were both around the same time. I, I so I think it was it was just the era really that just spawned all these movies. Um, I think actually Saw came first. But Hostel came soon after, and they, you know, there were other movies too, and none of them are very good. But they, they all fit into that, that torture porn realm. Yeah, and uh, this is going to have director Darren Lynn Bosman reprising. Yes, he's he's back again. How do you feel about him? Because I know he's done mostly horror stuff. He's all right. I don't think he he does this thing. I don't know if he still does it, but he was very prone to doing this thing where. Uh, the camera is constantly like shaking and the, the, it makes this like weird sound effect. I don't know. I guess he thought it was like jarring and would therefore be scary. And I, I always hated that. So I hope he's grown out of that. I don't know. He, he also plays with some very oversaturated colors. I remember that. Um, interesting. It's interesting that he's coming back and like Chris Rock isn't using a whole new, you know, filmmaker or a whole new vision for this like it, it seems weird that you're involving a guy that was responsible for most of the original franchise yeah i don't i don't maybe he just thinks he's the right man for the job i really don't know yeah. but it, I, I i'm sure i'd be i'm not entirely against this just because i'm really curious to see what a chris rock saw movie would yeah. be but i know i'd be even more excited if he was bringing in a more uh interesting filmmaker I think the big question is, will Chris Rock uh, star in this movie? Because that would be quite a turn for him. No, he is. He is supposed oh, to be starring in it. Yeah, oh, that's, my gosh. That's the story. So we'll yeah. see. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about Bruce Campbell, who recently revealed that there's some more Evil Dead uh, on the way. I'm not sure movies, TV, what, but it's not going to be with Ash. What do we know, H.D.? Yeah, so uh, Bruce Campbell, who last reprised his iconic role as Ash Williams in uh, 
Ash versus the Evil Dead, which was canceled last year by Stars, uh, revealed that he will probably be hanging up the chainsaw soon. But that won't stop the Evil Dead franchise from going on. He confirmed in an interview with Inquisitor that um, while he's still doing video games and doing voices for Ash, he's, uh, quote, not going to grovel on the blood anymore. <laughs> so you'll, we'll be seeing different versions of Evil Dead and that there will be more Evil Dead stories to come. But no more with Ash Williams at the center. See, I didn't watch the the Evil Dead series that was on Stars. Chris, were you watching that? Uh, I watched the first season and I just didn't really like it that much, so I stopped. I mean, is it a smart move for us to move past Ash? I think I think that yeah, that ship has sailed. Honestly, it's the, the Evil Dead should be left alone i don't think it really needs to be a franchise at this point anymore i know people will disagree with me but that's how i feel i thought you were gonna say that evil dead should be left dead yes left I, dead. I could have said that but i didn't <laughs> all right i mean evil dead is such a small movie and it's like such a like a thing that should have never spawned a franchise like it, it's you know a cabin in the woods horror movie and um I feel like many of the things that have – like Army of Darkness, I feel like, is what people mostly cling on to when they talk about Evil Dead. I, I know there's, like, uh, horror fans that love the, the original, um, but what is the – why are we clinging on to this, Chris? Like, what what about I, this with this property? I don't know. I, I it's I'm sure part of it is, is nostalgia. I'm sure part of it is – Really, Bruce Campbell. I mean, people like him in that role. They like him in general, and I get that. But I don't know. People just get attached to things. This, you know, they can't let them go. I mean, so I, I just I don't think there's any like deep seated meaning. I think people just like the idea, and they they can't let it go. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Halloween earlier, and it turns out that John Carpenter recently said that he would love to return and make a, a little horror film again. Uh, is it going to happen? Uh, probably not. Every few years, someone asks John Carpenter, are you ever going to make a movie again? And he gives this sort of wishy-washy answer where he's like, yeah, maybe. But the truth is, John Carpenter likes his his semi-retirement. He likes to hang out at home. He likes to play video games. He likes to make music. He likes to cash checks for remakes and residuals. So he's not jumping up and down to make a new movie. That said, um, during a new interview, he said, uh, I would love to make a little horror film or a big adventure film. Um, it would have to be budgeted correctly. That was his quote where so basically instead of <laughs> he, he, everything would have to be in the right place for him to do this. So it sounds like he's putting conditions on it and it probably won't happen. But if it does, I'll be happy. If it doesn't, I won't be too surprised. He also said he'd be open to doing TV. So you never know. Maybe he'll come back and direct like an episode of something. I really don't know. But I, I've made my peace with the idea of John Carpenter never coming back to make a film again. I mean, I remember I was at the Toronto International Film Festival probably like 10 years ago. And there was that was probably his last film. What was that called? Um, the Ward. The Ward. Oh, was that uh, with Amber Heard? Yes. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that was not good. And. Apart for the longest time, I've wanted him to make another movie just because I didn't want the ward to be his last movie because it's not good. But you know, uh, like I said, I, I've 
he's he's a you know i've made my piece and he's like a legend he's he has so many great movies to his name and you know he has a legacy that's you know unbeatable so if he wants to hang it up that's you know he's he's earned that right okay let's move on to from horror to marvel last night kevin feige held a uh ama on reddit um presumably because you know he's doing it after his work hours and um there was not really much revealed in this AMA other than the fact that apparently Kevin Feige types slow. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like it, it felt like it was like 20 minutes before we got the first answer to any of the questions. Um, maybe he was running behind. That's just a bad joke. Um, but the, there was one little tidbit of information that did uh, have some substance. HT, tell us about it. And yes, this is a very little tidbit, as Peter was saying. So um, in response to a question asking if there are any plans to incorporate the Ten Rings or the Mandarin into future Marvel titles, Kevin Feige responded, yes. And that's all we're getting, but it's a very affirmative yes, which means we're going to be getting the real Mandarin um likely showing up at some point in the MCU. So uh, the Ten Rings, if you remember, first appeared in Iron Man, and the Mandarin, as played by Ben Kingsley, appeared in Iron Man 3. But Ben Kingsley's version was a fraud in a twist that many Marvel fans are still angry about, but I found incredibly brilliant and hilarious. Um, and uh, it was presumed that the Mandarin was just a, a fictitious, fictitious um, invention of uh, Guy Pierce's character Aldrich Killian's invention, and so, um, but in a uh, Marvel one shot that was shown on Thor: The Dark World, we see uh, Ben Kingsley's Trevor Slattery, who's the real name of the Mandarin. Um, he comes face to face with the real Mandarin, who's not very happy with him using his name. So that was just a tease, and it wasn't really known if it was canon or not but it seems like kevin feige is saying that the real mandarin uh does exist and will show up at some point in the mcu presumably um well rather this is based on fan theory um showing up in the first asian-led superhero movie shang chi or yeah shang chi yeah uh because uh the the mandarin is uh in this in the mcu is rumored to be chang chi's father so that's a possibility yeah, there's been this guy on 4chan that has been releasing intel or maybe just rumors for Marvel movies for the past couple years. And he's been dead on on some of his um, predictions, I guess you want to call them. And uh, one of his recent uh, th things that he, you know, quote unquote leaked was that uh, the Mandarin would be would be Shang-Chi's father. So um, so I guess that's where this whole thing came from. I guess that makes sense that maybe that's a way of doing the mandarin without it being offensive i don't know i feel like it could still be offensive just because the name itself is so orientalist yeah i will reserve judgment but i mean um, like in that way like at least it's like a you know it seems like it'd be a minor character <laughs> yeah i don't know uh, we'll see. I mean, the thing is with this characters and what I think Iron Man 3 did so great with it is that it took what was essentially um, a character who was a caricature of just Orientalist stereotypes that was created in the 60s and turned it into like this subversion of what we think like terrorist um, stereotypes would be. So I don't really know how I feel about the real Mandarin showing up. But at this point, we don't know um, if the real Mandarin is you know, comic book accurate. It could be another uh, just like 
very loosely based on the character as we know. See, I'm with you on this. I loved Iron Man 3 and I love that twist. But every time I talk to like people outside of the people that write about movies, they seem to hate that part of Iron Man 3. So. I think it's hilarious. I'm, yeah. I guess we're in the minority. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about Martin Scorsese, who has been working on his new film, The Irishman, for a couple years now. Uh, it's going to be headed to Netflix and to theaters before that. Uh, Chris, what is what is uh, holding this movie up? Uh, so you, you know, I don't know if it's holding it up so much, but Martin Scorsese, he sat down with Jonah Hogg to talk on the A24 podcast. Um, and they both were just talking about their work in general. Jonah Hogg has a new A24 movie called uh, The Souvenir coming out this week. It's very good. And during the conversation, uh, The Irishman came up. And uh, for those who don't know, The Irishman, it stars Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Harvey Keitel, Joe Pesci. And it's a big deal because, you know, it, it's it's Martin Scorsese reuniting with Robert De Niro for the first time in decades. And it's also De Niro's first, like, crime, um, Martin Scorsese's first crime movie in a few years. And but not only that, uh, the movie, it spans several decades. And rather than cast younger actors to play, you know, De Niro's character and Joe Pesci's character, he uh, Martin Scorsese is using similar technology to uh, that Marvel uses to de-age them. So you're going to have like a CGI younger Robert De Niro in the movie uh, for certain scenes. Um and we haven't seen any footage of the movie yet. There was a teaser release, but it's, it was audio only. There's no footage. And it sounds like the reason footage hasn't been released yet is because Martin Scorsese is really obsessing over getting this right. Uh, you know, he says in the interview while he's watching it, you know, when he shot the film, obviously he shot the actors as they are now. And, you know, he, he pays very close attention to the actor's facial expressions and, you know, the look in their eyes and all that stuff while he's filming a scene. But when he digitally de-ages them, it changes their faces considerably, obviously, because it's making them younger. And it's sort of like throwing him off because he has a vision of how they look when he shot the scene in his head. And it's not lining up the same, especially when it comes to, you know, the way their eyes look and, you know, the wrinkles around their eyes and stuff like that. So it, it just sounds like this is slowly driving him crazy, trying to get this to be perfect. Uh, I, I have faith it'll turn out well, you know, uh, that this technology has been a little shaky, but the best recent example is Captain Marvel, which did a really great job um, de-aging Samuel L. Jackson to the point where it looked almost flawless. I barely noticed it at all. That said, in that same movie, they did the same thing for Clark Gregg and his looked really noticeable. So I don't know if they just put all the focus on Samuel L. Jackson or what, but yeah. I'm, ho I'm hoping, you know, Mars Scorsese, he's a perfectionist. He's, he's going to do everything he can to get this right. So I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't end up being too distracting. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see what this looks like. And uh, I wonder if they'll ever release a non-CG version of The Irishman. Maybe. That'd be weird, though, because I yeah. think, like, De Niro is supposed to be, like, 20 or something at one point, and he obviously does not look like that, but maybe. The, the, on, on the Blu-ray. Well, there isn't going to even be a Blu-ray, right? Because it's it's Netflix. There, there might be. Every once in a while, Netflix things will get Blu-rays, and I feel like yeah. this movie is such a big deal for them because it's, it's Scorsese that they might give it one, but we'll see. I just want Netflix to start doing more special features because I would love to see like a scene 
of just they them. should yeah there's there's no reason they can't either like you know um criterion channel that's that's a streaming service and they put all their criterion special features up with the movies there's no reason netflix can't do something like that yeah. and i know i've said this before on this podcast but like special features are so cheap to produce like to f- produce like an on the set making of doc it, it costs nothing in comparison to the feature and like if people are watching this and they like the movie this is the way to keep your subscribers on the service, which is basically everything that they do is in service to that, right? So it's, I don't know, it seems stupid to me that they have not really released special features yet. Um, Netflix um, seems to be leaning more towards just how the new digital consumer, aka teens, uh, get interested in content because they focus a lot on um, YouTube featurettes. And sometimes these featurettes are long enough to be special features. But um, they are more like advertisements or just like ways of getting people interested in a title rather than just like something that complements the original thing. Yeah, but the problem there is that you don't get to it's not a deep dive. Do you know what I mean? It's more right. of yeah. like you're you're trying to sell something and you're not actually going into spoilers and explaining how, you know, interesting things that, you know, interesting parts of the movie that you would not want to explore in an advertisement are, you know, made. So, yeah. Um, okay. Our final story for today. Uh, Bill Murray apparently is open to appearing in Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters sequel. H.G., what do we know? Yeah, all Jason Reitman has to do is call. <laughs> all right, maybe I should stop. Um, <laughs> uh, it's for a long time. It seems like Bill Murray didn't want have to have anything to do with Ghostbusters three, but he revealed recently in an interview ahead of uh, the Cannes premieres for um, The Dead Don't Die that it wasn't an issue of him wanting to separate himself from the franchise because he did make an appearance in the 2016 uh, Ghostbusters in a cameo. But it's more of a matter of the relationship that he has with Sony. Um, He said in a quote, for years they said, we can't make another Ghostbusters because Bill Murray won't change the deal he made in 1984. Well, no, I never did. And you know what? Made the movie. You're the new guys. I'm the old guy. It was good enough for the other people, so it's going to have to be good enough for you. It sounds very finite, but what he's basically saying is that it's um, it all goes down to like his contract with Sony and uh, his old deal for the um, original Ghostbusters. But he would be willing to uh, appear in a cameo if he was asked. Hmm. Like, do, do you think it's going to happen? Do you think uh, Jason Raymond is going to pick up that phone and make the call? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure uh, he, I'm sure like Bill Murray is an easy guy to call. I mean, I've heard many yeah. myths about it. So um, maybe after this sort of story goes around, uh, maybe uh, Jason Reitman would be more willing to do that. Yeah. I mean, we we know that this is set in the original universe of the original two Ghostbusters films mm-hmm. and that, you know, we there's even rumors that the main characters might be related in some way to some of the characters in those films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would be cool to have Bill Murray back, but is it necessary? I guess is the question. Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on this? Oh man, I <laughs> just, just enough with the Ghostbusters. We don't, we don't need any more. I, I, I have almost zero enthusiasm for this Jason Reitman movie. I'm sorry. I just, he doesn't seem like the right person for the job. I don't like that they're clearly just trying to make it Stranger Things with Ghostbusters. Just, 
uh, just let it go. This is another thing. People can't let go. Just let go of things. It's all right. Things can be in the past. It's fine. <laughs> but I do feel like Ghostbusters offers us a lot more of a universe to explore than like Evil Why? Dead. What, what else is there to do? They it bust does. ghosts. <laughs> they... <laughs> I think the magic of the original was based a lot on the cast and how wacky and how they bounce off each other. And that's why a lot of people really love that original film. And just trying to cash that lightning in a bottle again doesn't work quite as well. Um, so I don't know. I've never really had a big affinity for Ghostbusters in the first place. So I'm like, I'm having... I'm just a, a big shrug when it comes to this reboot. And uh, I just, but I've resigned myself to the fact that we're getting more and more of these and it's never going to end. And we're just going to be in a nostalgia hole for the rest of our lives. Well, it'll end if people don't go see it. But if people are interested and people like it, you know, the thing that gives me faith here is Jason Reitman because. If you do watch that original Ghostbusters film, it's not an action movie. It's not like, you know, it's all character based comedy. It's um, it, it's all, you know, it, it is made not even be, the script is is good, but it's it's the the actors who make it. And I think Reitman is, you know, a character actor guy. He's, you know, he he's good in that realm. And I think um, I don't know. I, I kind of like the Stranger Things take on it i mean we haven't seen much of it yet we've only seen that little teaser so uh i'm gonna reserve judgment but i i am i am more, i'm interested I, I i'm a kid of the 80s and uh chris i need my n- nostalgia so <laughs> well i understand it's not like anyone cashes in on nostalgia ever so i understand why you would need some of it what did you say i was too busy watching cobra kai season two <laughs> <laughs> okay let's go into the mailbag uh Colin from San Jose writes in, and this is an email from a while ago, but we're finally getting to it. He writes in, what are some movies you're embarrassed you haven't seen yet? Um, Okay, now this is hard for me because I feel like if I'm embarrassed I haven't seen a film, I'll see it. Like, I, I feel like there aren't many on my list of movies. Like, there there are movies like I didn't see Green Book last year, but like I'm not embarrassed I didn't see Green Book. Do you know what I mean? Um. I guess the most recent movie that like is a huge thing that a lot of people bring up to me is The Life of Pi. I've still not seen The Life of Pi. Eh, and it's fine. The book is better. <sighs> yeah, well, okay. And uh this one you're gonna give me crap about uh HD. Love Actually. I've never seen Love Actually. Well Yeah, you should watch it. But also <laughs> I know that a lot of people hate it and I resent that so i don't want people to go in and know it and thinking that they're going to hate it it's a great movie i watched it over and over again it's also incredibly problematic and uh you know so treacly and sentimental but uh i enjoy it and i know a lot of people do you should watch it peter but uh only watch it at christmas it falls very much under jacob's christmas rules yeah you know and actually no i i've come to one i was looking at a list i was looking at letterbox and looking at um Movies I have not seen rated by you know the highest rated. Um, this one you're gonna you're gonna give me crap about HD. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle I have not seen. <gasps> it. Oh, I've seen okay. a lot of the Miyazaki stuff. But I have for some reason not seen that one. That is a great one. It's one that really grows on you too because when I first saw it, it's it didn't make that much of an impression on me because it's a little bit slower and a little bit more I guess mature. Uh, it's really good. It's um. I have all of the Miyazaki movies on DVD, so 
I don't know if, when I'll ever get the chance to force this force you to watch it, but you know, at some point, those movies are hard to find. Like those they DVDs are. are out of print, and you can't buy, you can't rent the movies on. Like uh, Kitra and I were gonna go try to watch that on, and we couldn't find it on iTunes or anywhere. Like a, a last year or sometime. Yeah, um, I hunted them down. They were like the one physical. I don't own a lot of physical media, but I was like, I'm gonna own all of the Miyazaki slash Studio, Studio Ghibli movies, and I hunted all of them down. So I know in the past on the podcast I've chastised you for not seeing uh, some movies. I don't even remember what they were, but um, probably '80s films that were yeah. before you were born. Um, but uh, what what is you know your biggest embarrassments? Yeah, I don't remember what they were either. I feel like they should be on this list, but I can't think of them at the moment. If you do know, you've seen uh, Back to the Future, us. right? I have seen. Of okay. course, I've seen Back to the Future. Uh, you know. Uh, the other day, Chris asked me if I'd ever seen Tim Burton's Batman, and I felt very offended. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that that movie <laughs> is much that movie is much older than you. I don't know. I, I didn't... You read about comic books for a living, Chris. I know, but I, I thought it'd be more rude to just immediately assume that you had seen it. I, I, I always... You know, when I was younger, I did this thing where I was like, oh, you haven't seen this? I assumed you had. And I don't like to do that anymore because I'm an I'm older, more mature gentleman. I was being polite. That's what I'm saying. OK, thank you. I appreciate it. But I have seen those movies. I mean, there's it's been there's some um, gaps, of course. But for me, embarrassed is a very strong word. It has to, I guess, um, have to do with a movie that a lot of people have seen or a lot of people think that you should see. So I kind of go back to classics. I haven't seen Almost Famous, which I know is on. Yeah, that was one of the ones we chastised you because that is like in my top few movies of all time. You need to see that. I will watch it at some point. Um, A classic I haven't seen is 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I know, I know I need to watch it. Um, It was actually showing at like 70 millimeter, I think, one of those. um, like in a theater recently and I was planning to go see it, but I didn't get to. So um, I missed that chance. Uh, and I also haven't seen A Clockwork Orange. I think I've read the book, but I was a little bit intimidated by the movie. I was, I was uh, when I was thinking about watching it, I was a bit young and scared of horror movies. So <laughs> I'll probably go back and watch it again. Um, or watch it rather. This isn't again. about movies that you've seen. Oh wait, you, you have seen or haven't seen? No, it? I, I haven't seen. Oh, okay, sorry. I said again, but I said that <laughs> I misused it. Um, so yeah, uh, I that's the ones I have off the top of my head for now. Because yeah, I, I guess I would categorize embarrassed as like you know big movies that people think that you should see and uh, you haven't seen. The weird part is, I feel like for me, I'm not embarrassed of any of the movies I mentioned that I haven't seen. But I think people would be like, you haven't seen that? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not personally, like, ashamed that I haven't seen those movies. Well, you know what? Actually, Howl's Moving Castle, I probably am. Um, yeah. Chris, you see, like, a, what, a thousand movies a year or something? Yeah. Um, I, I'm not big on the uh, <laughs> the shaming people thing. I, I, think, I think it's wrong to be, like, a gatekeeper in that way and be like, oh. Again, I remember when I was younger, I did used to do this thing where I was like, oh, I can't believe you haven't seen Pulp Fiction. But, you know, everyone everyone goes at their own pace. Everyone has oh, you know, their well, own when, taste. When I'm shaming HT, I'm doing it in love. Like, it's not like... No, no, no. Like, I know. But I also know that there are people who take that, like, they're, they're a movie bros who take this, this stuff 
so seriously where they like they say like they want to fight you if you haven't seen certain movies um that said i i do i do have lots of stuff i wish i i have seen and i have it a lot of like foreign films older films i have like a big blind spot on and i i wish i didn't i actually have not seen any miyazaki films ever i have i oh, wow. because i'm like overwhelmed i don't know where to start watch and yeah, and that's sort of the thing. Like, I know I'm gonna have to watch all of them. So well, I think watch that's... Spirited Away or Totoro. I think are the. Uh, I think you would really like Princess Mononoke too. That's, that's it, yeah. his uh, most epic and grand one, and uh, really great mythology and uh, action as well. Um, Nazca yeah, is having his 35th anniversary, so that's a good time to, to check that out. That's his first uh, feature film with that, like basically launched Studio Ghibli. So I need there. I need there to be like a box set with all of them in it. And then I would just buy that and sit down and watch yeah. it one day. That's sort when, of what I need. When is Miyazaki coming to the Criterion collection is what I need to know. I don't know. We should ask. Um, and then I guess the only other one, uh, again, not embarrassed about, but everyone talks about it and I've just never seen it is Mean Girls. I've never seen Mean Girls. And I've avoided it because I don't like the title. <laughs> I <laughs> I, I, I had a really hard time in high school. My high school experience was really bad. I was just really depressed and really lonely. And I, I don't want to say, use the word bullied, but that's like the closest word to it. And just the idea of watching a movie that's literally about that, even a comedy, I, I just don't want to go through it. I don't want to but sit. That's sort of the reason why I never different. saw. It's, it's not eighth grade. Oh, wait, you never saw eighth grade? No, I never saw eighth grade either. And that's sort of the same reason that I, I, you know, everyone was like, oh, this movie's so hard to watch because of, you know, the content. I don't want to, I don't want to re-experience it. It's sort of like when people are, people are making all these movies about like Fox News now. There's all these movies about Roger Ailes. I mean, like, I don't need to watch those movies. I know Roger Ailes was an asshole. I know Fox News sucks. I don't need to watch movies about it. And it's sort of like, I'm the same way when it comes to movies about, how horrible high school was like, I don't need to relive that because I spent my entire high school experience just wanting to get out of high school. Like that was all I wanted in, in the world. It was like, you know, I, I, when I've grown up, I've, I've actually met people who were like, Oh, I miss high school. And I think those people no, are who insane. Are those people? I don't know, but I, uh, it's, it's usually people younger, like people in their twenties who are like, Oh, I miss high school. I'm like, you're nuts. It was the worst. It was the worst experience of my life. I never want to go back there. I will say Mean Girls is enough of a satire and, and heightened enough of a satire that I think you will enjoy it because it just skewers all kinds of, you know, bullies and uh, titular Mean Girls, as they would say. So um, I think you would enjoy it. It's a good comedy and it's, it's really smart and funny. So it's not going to be triggering in any way i don't think i think eighth grade after hearing what you've just said is it will probably trigger you in a little bit but it's not exactly about being bullied either it's just about being insecure um eighth grade is but yeah i think you would enjoy mean girls yeah yeah what hd said um you know what i i pulled up here the afi top 100 i put it in our slack channel here i'm wondering what is the highest movie on the afi top 100 that you guys have not seen AFI top 100. Um, mine so, is uh, mine is number 12, The Searchers. I've never seen John Ford's The Searchers. I haven't seen uh, Lawrence of Arabia. But again, like, I was You know what you should describe... do when it, when it, it, it does this, like, uh, they do these, like, road shows of, like, 70 millimeter screenings where they come to New York or LA and stuff like that. Mm. When it, you, you should wait until they do a 70 millimeter screening in, in uh, New York. 
Yeah. I, I, I should check it out. But um, for classics like that or for foreign films like the ones that Chris is talking about, uh, where I also have some of a blind spot, um, I kind of see it as more of a chance for me to watch these movies rather than an embarrassing gap because I do want to see them and I think they'll enrich me in some way, but they're not something that I'm embarrassed at having never seen because, you know, I, I'm sure it'll be it'll be great to see, but I'm not sad that I haven't seen them yet. Yeah, like think of like your favorite movie. Think about how cool it would be to watch that again for the first time. That's what this would be like. That's how I look at it. For me, the highest is 82. I've seen everything. Oh my God. I have not seen Sunrise, a song of two humans directed by F.W. Murnau. So that's that's my first one um let's see i have also oh, not that's seen... a silent romantic comedy so so H.E., you should watch that i should check that out yeah i i've actually never heard of that movie before you i don't I, I think i've heard of it i've just never how is that movie in the top movies. 100 and we've like oh no that doesn't must seem... be really good we, yeah. we must we must all be bad at our jobs and we should <laughs> resign in disgrace i mean it is 1927 so maybe it's just aged out you know and it Generally. is for now, you know, he has all so many like classics. So I guess I'm not surprised, but I've never heard of this movie either. Yeah. Crazy. So the highest up is 82 for you, Chris. Wow. Well, congrats. You won. <laughs> Thanks, you won. everyone. You're the ultimate movie fan. Wait, is there any other movies under 82 that you haven't seen? I have not seen uh swing time i don't know what that is I don't... that's the uh fred and oh, stare i've seen clips from that yeah. i have not it's, seen the it's whole a great movie one. yeah i've Although, seen that that's good if, if you do do a fred and ginger marathon you will realize that all the movies are incredibly light on plot and it's basically just the same plot over and over again but with different dance sequences but it's so fun to see them do those dances so you don't really care okay that brings us to the end of today's Slash Home Daily. If you, what, what is the movie that you're embarrassed that you haven't seen yet? Write us at peter at slashfilm.com. You can also send your questions for the mailbag to peter at slashfilm.com or your advi- uh, you know, life advice with Chris. Uh, same email address. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at slashfilm.com. You can find all the stories we've talked about today linked in the show notes. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. And uh, please head on over to our iTunes page. Give us a five-star rating and review. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.